This is an FTK Memphis podcast. How about we uh, we open this first one up with a little quick word of prayer, Deacon Walker? All right, church, bow your head. Thank you, Lord, for another day. Thank you for all things as well as they are. Um, continue to be with us. Continue to walk with us. Continue to show us your way. Um, keep us out of our own way um, so that we continue to see what it is that you want us to see and do what it is that you want us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Welcome to our first ever in our very own home, FTK Studios, our very first podcast. Um, I'm super excited. My name is Tori Bakes. I am our host. Uh, I've got Gil here on the ones and twos producing for us. And uh, today we have um, our co-host, Sir Walker in the building with us. Yes, sir. And we've got Fresh off the free agency wires that we picked up on Tuesday, Tuesday, no, last Friday, started with us on Monday, uh, Lakeisha Edwards, who is now uh, the director of uh, food solutions and partnerships with us, uh, formerly known as the director of what? Agency partnerships and programs. The director of agency partnerships and programs with Mid-South Food Bank. And so I'm excited to have the two of them here for Genesis 1. Verse one, um, today we will uh, begin to talk about why we all have ended up in the same room and that is freedom, right? What is it? What is, what does it mean to be free? When I say that, I initially think of the Meek Mill song, uh, Free, right? Uh, that is closed uh, by the great Jay-Z right at the end. But um, as he begins to tackle, what does freedom really look like? And how does um, the perception that a kid who grows up without having uh, food, um, proper shelter, but specifically food, how does the perception of growing up with a lack hurt their view of freedom, how they see freedom? It's really what we want to talk about today. I'll begin to have a conversation about today. Um, and so, Lakeisha, I want to start with you, if that's all right, uh, okay. just with you um, getting us started. And uh, just in asking you and all that you've seen, how many how many counties when you were with Miss South Food Bank did you have the opportunity to work in? Thirty one. Thirty one. And in those thirty one counties, um, what did you learn about food and food disparity and just the perception amongst not just those who are you're giving the food to, right? And their perception of giving all of this food, but just the perception that you see and the hurt and pain that you hear. Um, in all of the children and seniors and communities? I think one of the most important things that I took from that situation is just that food insecurity and food disparity knows no zip code. We saw it in Tennessee. We saw it in Mississippi. We saw it in Arkansas. We saw it in rural areas. We saw it in inner city. So it didn't matter where they were or what people thought they should earn because of their zip code or the type of situation they thought that people should be in because of their background. It didn't matter that it still existed everywhere. Hmm. Hmm. Um, so with no zip code means that there is no ethnic group that is more prone to find themselves uh, beneath the poverty line and lacking food than others, especially right now. Right. So 
just by obviously I'm not asking you for approximate numbers, but I would only imagine, right, being where you've come from, that the amount of food that was needed pre-COVID and post-COVID were totally different, right? Correct. Okay. Um, as it relates to having no zip code and food, what would you say is the, first of all, what would you say is your definition of free? Um, without restraint, without constraints, without um, having to be within a confined space. Okay. Okay. I like it. She <laughs> broke us off like Wikipedia. In right. <laughs> <laughs> sir Walker, what about you, sir? What do you, what would you Man, say? Man, I agree. I think that sums it up in about the best way you can is living without restraints like in whatever way that looks like. Hmm. So growing up for you, not to say that food was a issue, but what was a hurdle uh, to your understanding of freedom as a kid? Uh, mine would be uh, my own self-esteem, I guess. I think that's the best way I can say that is getting out of my own head. Um, the ego thing was big for me, right? Um, especially from the family dynamic I grew up in, great parents, all that. But when you have so many siblings, it's easy to kind of get lost in that shuffle. Hmm. 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 Um. I would say for me, uh, the biggest part was probably just the uh, transient um, family that I lived in growing up, that uh, early on we moved around so much that it was hard to build a full foundation for myself. Um, so my identity was everywhere. Um, my needs were hard to um, point out for myself because there was so much abuse and baggage that covered up uh, where my lack was, right? Uh, my lack of identity, uh, because instead of pouring in, they were whooping out, <laughs> you know, but, um, I would showing say that, that physical love, yeah, showing that, that physical <laughs> love, man. Um, and that mental stuff, right. That, um, so I would say that my lack, um, was covered by my family's inconsistency and them trying to figure out how to do life as adults, which, you know, kind of, uh, was like a snowball rolling downhill so that when me and an older sibling got involved, it um, it did not grow up looking like freedom. You know, mm -hmm. even though we went to church every Sunday and there was something about falling asleep in church and having a wedding ring dug into your head to say, wake up. They just didn't <laughs> say, you know, uh, free. So um, I guess for y'all, I would I would ask as we, you know, we begin this conversation mm -hmm. um, around freedom is. Uh, and we talk about food and the food disparity uh, and all of us have some experience now working in this this space. Uh, what would you say is uh, the leading cause to um, kids? Um, I don't know. I don't really know how to say it. Kids uh, not having uh, the choice to choose um, when they go to school because they're hungry or y'all understand the question I'm trying to ask. Uh, I guess the question is. Uh, thank God for a great Gill editor later. <laughs> right? um, can you help me? You, you understand the question I'm, gonna, I'm trying to ask Gil? Like, uh, what is, um, how does not growing up in a house where you have the daily needs uh, for food being met hurt your perception in every other area of life? How does it affect you in other, 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 every other area of life? So you're asking how, like being hungry in essence. 
Correct. Like not growing up and being open, open up the fridge and and like everything. Cereal, you know, you got as they said on Friday. You got two things that don't go together. You know what I mean? You got cereal, no milk, ham, no burger. (laughs) You know, like what is it that growing up like that? How does that trickling effect of getting used to not having enough to eat, right? Mm -hmm. How does it impact the rest of your life? And even if you think you're free, not you know, the reality is you're not. How does it impact you? You know, uh, man, I don't know. Like the the workaround answer for that for me was, um, man, you grow up living in a, a life of lack, if that makes sense. Like you're used to living, even though you're in a position where you can live in abundance, right? You're so used to living on the bare necessities that it's like, yeah, I could go get Frosted Flakes, right? But let me get the small box of regular Flakes. You know right, what I mean? right, right, right. Um, whereas someone who had that kind of lifestyle growing up where they could go in there and had five or six different types of cereal. Right. 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 Like they're used to going in there and being able to speak and say, no, I don't want that. I want this and that. Right. So it was a struggle getting back to living that life. But Okay. I think one of the long-term effects that I've seen with youth is the fact that they do not have access to resources as they grow older because they don't know how to communicate the the lack. Hmm. They're so used to the lack. If you say, are you hungry or are you food insecure or do you have access to food? They say, well, I ate last night. Hmm. So their perception Hmm. of what that disparity looks like and the fact that something actually is wrong is it's not clear to them. Hmm. So even if someone does offer a resource, they feel that they're not in need. Hmm. The, The sense of normalcy that comes with being hungry. Right. Creates a lifestyle where around it, you just you get used to it. Um, I would agree with that. Right. I would agree with the long term effect, along with kind of the uh, the way you put it, uh, Sir Walker, from my perception and what I've seen right in the experience of dealing with families and even just, you know, when we do our drive through food banks, I get a chance to talk to every car, literally. And um for some, their understanding of free, right, not having enough and somebody giving something away for free almost gives a sense of unrealistic entitlement, right? Like, I ain't got enough, so you're supposed to give me something, right? Mm-hmm. Which isn't a reality. The world does not lay down for you just because you don't have enough, right? But if you grow up not having lack and going to food banks and, you know, you grow up with this sense of this is just the way it's supposed to be and they are supposed to do this for me. The flip side of that, what I found is that the greatest side, I think to wrap it around everyone, is the sense of um, embarrassment that wraps itself in pride and arrogance, mm-hmm. you know, where you have the greatest need there is. And yet the pride and arrogance that you've wrapped it in because you know the world does not love you, um, keeps you living in a place where you always live with a lack. Why? Because you spend so much energy trying to prove to the people who don't love you that you don't need them, that you miss the blessing of living in a in community with people and sharing your need because that's unnatural, right? Um, I remember growing up in a home and having a mother that was single for a while and there was always this rule in our house where like, yo, you do not share things that we have in the house or don't have. So there were times we had absolutely nothing. But do you think I went to school like I don't have lunch money? Absolutely right, not. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember those days too. We've been there. Like you don't say what's going on. The struggle is kind of hidden and tucked away right. for a lot of people. Right. Um, 
which has been my experiencing with this food now, even families that I thought I'd had a relationship with before, right? And thinking that, oh yeah, they're good, they're this and that. Now finding out that, yo, you're really not. Right. Like you're struggling, them just not being comfortable enough to say, yo, I need help. Right, mm-hmm. right. Especially publicly. For sure. So here's my question. Um, when I think of freedom in its ultimate sense, for me, my perception is is now definitely clothed in um, the fact that I understand that I have a Messiah. I have someone who has come uh, to save me, right? So that ultimate freedom from uh, the consequence of my bad decisions, uh, sometimes still daily and all of that, I get that portion of uh, I now have a spiritual inheritance with God. I have a God who cares for me and cares for my family and doesn't want to see me with any lack at all. I get that. I get that. And yet there is something that I still am trying to understand about Jesus when he walked the earth. If you look at every time he met someone, he always dealt with their physical need first. Right. The man sitting there who couldn't see like he stopped. The issue wasn't that the man couldn't see. It was his belief system. Right. Like that he needed someone to put him in a pool, the woman at the well, right? His disciples, he's just finished giving this marvelous message. And like, they see that, you know, the street lights are about to come on. They're like, yo, send everybody away. They need to get home. And he's like, yo, they haven't eaten. He's like, yo, they're like, yo, we don't have enough. Now he just gave what his gift was. His lane was, we, as we know, all know now, was to give his life away. And yet he operated in this space where he tried to meet these felt needs. And so to me, not that I totally understand it, but there is something directly tied to being to a to experiencing spiritual freedom and for someone to take the time to also meet the felt need first so they can get to the spiritual need, you know? Um, so like even getting to that point, though, man, it's tough. Like the freedom to even say, yo, let me give her what I have when you got other things to take care of at home, right? Like. I know I've been there where I've seen a homeless guy on the side of the street, right? Not to bring it back to that, but can clearly see he needs something, right? But yo, I got $20 in my pocket. If I give him 10 of them, I got to eat and all that too. Hmm. But then it seems like even the story you were telling then of like God being free enough to say, yo, I'm going to give it away and I know I'm going to be good on the back end. I mean, that's a tough spot to get to. Oh, for sure it is. For sure. What is it in our own freedom, right? That allows us Right. We say we're free. Right? We feel like we're free. We 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 have some maybe a little bit of financial freedom where maybe we're not living paycheck to paycheck. And we've got some freedom in our relationships. Right. Where we're we're not living for anybody else. Maybe we've got healthy boundaries in our relationships. So we don't allow people to abuse us anymore. Mm-hmm. But the question is, what is does it take for us to move out of a space where our freedom isn't about us? You know what I mean? Like where, as you just said, where I can move past a space of, man, I got $20, but, and there is no, but like, what does it take to, in my perception, right? To, for my freedom to totally allow me not to perceive of this person being separate from my freedom. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the things that also has to be addressed is the perception of that person that you're giving to. Social media, the things that we see on the news kind of put this thought in our head that this person is going to use it for drugs. They're going to do something that we wouldn't agree with. They Mm. live a lifestyle we don't agree with. Mm. They believe in something that we don't believe in or they Mm. don't need it at all. I mean, how many times have we heard the story of homeless people supposedly Mm -hmm. 
like, you know, homeless people are, yeah, walking around the corner and they're getting into a nice car and they're going home to a warm house. And, you know, so I think that that's also a struggle where people are being taught to look at those who are in need Hmm. with a different perception. And that's hard to overcome, especially Hmm. if it was something that was taught to you as a child, because you're asking a person to say that their parents taught them wrong. Hmm. Your mother didn't tell you the truth. Hmm. That's something that isn't hard to move past, even if you do want to help. Hmm. Yeah, I think appearance is a big part of being free for others. Like a people a lot of people are slave to their appearance. Do you think that, that that's a sense. do you think that that's uh <clears throat> just a, a a black issue? You think that's black, that's white, that doesn't have almost like like food disparity doesn't have a zip code. Do you think that that's just a you know you know like I mean the three of us are are all African American. Do do you think that that's just a our culture thing? Um, do you think that's something totally different? You, you uh, know, I think that it's it's broad. I think it touches everyone. Uh, speaking to like our own culture, like it's definitely huge in our culture. Though I don't know if it's as big in others. Like I would assume it's not. Sure, but it's definitely a big thing in ours. Sure. Um, I've seen it across the board because, especially in Mississippi, we have a lot of individuals that we know they need the help. And their level of pride and wanting to actually still look the part and that Southern um, bell type of atmosphere of, Mm. you know, well, I've got to have my kids clean and they have to look like this and I'm going to send them to this school. And even if I have to drive a raggedy car, even if I can't pay my mortgage, they're going to go to this private school and they're going to look like they belong there and Mm. they're going to go to these schools. But it's not necessarily something they can afford. Hmm. Yeah, what's funny to me is as you say that, man, it almost convicted my heart a little bit. Not almost, it convicted my heart a little bit just because um, I can remember a couple occasions uh, in the in Atlanta, uh, one as a single man, uh, moments that I'm definitely, the first one moment, definitely not proud of. And that's being single, uh, but uh, living with a woman at the time that was not my wife. Uh, I love my wife. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but living with a woman who was not my wife at the time and, um, you know, Porsche parked outside with a flat tire. Hummer needs a new transmission. And um, I'm living in a one bedroom apartment and can't pay the rent and no food in the house. But the perception, right, like of what I've got outside and the reality of my life, I would be way embarrassed to try to pull up at a food bank or to the church up the street that I knew did groceries and stuff. Instead, for me, I would be more willing to pack my pockets full of plastic bags and go to the store as a 28-year-old man with a shopping cart. And freedom to me was the boldness for me to go down and know what I needed and to put those things in my grocery cart and to put them in the bags I came in and walk out like I bought them. And the reality is how many college students, as we've now been doing summer camp, right, that I hear running the you know, running the same playbook, right, of lack of, yo, my pride will not allow me to say, help, right? <laughs> but allows me to say, Psh, not going to knock this hustle. And there's almost this, this glory in being enslaved to that mentality, you know? There's a glory, there's a sense of pride. Like walking out that Publix with the adrenaline rushing, like there was some scariness, but there was this sense of, I did whatever I had to do for me and my shorty, you know, like there was just something about that that felt like a counterfeit freedom, you know, like, why is that, though? Why do you think that that perception of 
of yourself is so big with people? I like, think where it, does it come I from? I think it starts at the root, right? I think that all of us, and I don't think that that has a, just because I'm poor, I think it's the, it goes back to the question of freedom and our perception of it. It's freedom, just my financial ability to be able to do what I want and maneuver without having to ask for permission. Is it, you know, being in a place where I'm confident enough where no one's opinion of me matters, you know? Uh, what is freedom? And because for me, the perception for me made me feel like freedom based on the way I was raised and the thoughts I allowed myself to believe was true, right? And the the de-affirmations that I said daily that were affirmations led to this point that Tori had a whole identity for me personally, mm -hmm. right? And so to shatter that identity, that that for me to step outside of that and show some vulnerability was like a sh shattering to all these things I said I was already. You know, what if they know I really don't have it? You know? So when did that go away? Like, when is the first time you realized, like, yo, this is a thing? Because I remember I've been there, right? I know in those moments, it's like, this is what it's supposed to be. Right. This is life. Right. Like, but when did you realize, like, yo, now, like, there's more? Man, I'll be honest and say that I think it's a, it's a daily thing. Just because I'm not food despair anymore. And there are days I wake up every day with this desperate feeling of needing something that I do not own, don't feel like I own. And so it's this washing of myself daily, my mentality daily, I think, and, and trying to surround myself with the right kind of group that's going to speak truth, you know, helps. But I, I don't have the recipe yet, fam, of, of what it's took. The first step was having somebody in my soccer I could be vulnerable with, you know, and to just say the truth. You know, and for them to understand, I didn't need them to solve anything. I just needed to. I needed to say to, it. I needed like you to need say to get it. it out. Yeah. 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 And from there, I feel like that's where the light shines. You know. And you know, for me, it's I'm just sitting here thinking about the freedom or the lack thereof in my childhood, and it came more so from a religious environment. So I grew up in mm. Kojic. Mm. And um, that says a lot. Church of God in Christ <laughs> for those who don't know. <laughs> that says a lot. So, um, and one of the things that I consistently complained about is not having the freedom, mm. not being able to cut my hair, not being able to wear earrings past my earlobe, not being able to wear pants, not being able to sing certain songs mm. or go certain places. Mm. So I grew up in a very restrictive environment. However, as I got older, and especially when I went to college, I realized how much I learned from that experience because I didn't care what other people thought. Hmm. I wasn't a prisoner to what other people thought I should have or what I should do because I grew up wearing skirts and dresses, even in gym. I had to wear skorts where you had shorts under oh, a skirt. Did you, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, you have some jellies on too? <laughs> <laughs> some jelly shoes. So by the time I got to college, someone saying, oh, you don't have the new J's or you don't have this, that meant nothing to me hmm. because that was never a part of my value system. And even with friends and having cliques and being in sororities or organizations, it just wasn't, it wasn't the shiny coin for me because hmm. I grew up in an environment where I had to think very independently to survive. I mean, just imagine going to school, being called sanctified mm. or someone asking, why is it? It's so cold outside. Why you don't have some jeans on or <laughs> jogging pants or, you know, what's wrong with you? That's, you know, one of those things that as a child, it seemed like a punishment. And as an adult, I realized it was a blessing. Hmm. Oh, that's crazy you say that because I grew up Kojic as well. Right. But uh, that even brings in another dynamic of it like the sex thing like that's completely different experience between 
male and female. Mm-hmm. Like I did not have that. Hmm. First of all, my parents were a little looser than most coaching parents, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, partly because I played sports and stuff, but mm-hmm. like that was it. Like we got to go out and do what we wanted to do. But you was at church. Every time you had church, it was a Bible study, it was this and that. And don't make my parents look like a fool. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But like for my sisters who had to wear skirts and all that kind of stuff, it was a daily thing for them. Mm-hmm. Where me, I walk in with my shorts on and my tennis shoes and all of that, I'm good. And you look right. like everyone else. Right. No one had any reason to question who you were exactly. or where you stood on things. I mean, but for the women in that organization, it was it, we were even told that people should look at you and know that you are holy. Hmm. You you should look like holiness. So we were used to being the oddballs. We were taught to be those that stand out. Hmm. I feel like we've had more of a conversation about what freedom is not, which is maybe more appropriate for where we're going, right? Like um, freedom is not our, our, um, our appearance um, and the appearance of being being a pro at being able to deceive, essentially, right? Um, right, right. Which, which to me begins to expose where it all comes from, right? The root of it is that there is a manipulator that has a plan to always make things feel and look one off. You know, like, you know, oh, well, it's not freedom, but psh, at least you feel good after you make people think you got it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and it's that lie that we believe, especially in distressed communities around everything that keep us, keep us enslaved, keep us separate, keep us isolated. And then those ways of thought travel through the oral traditions of churches, the walls of churches and companies and businesses. Right. And so you go to church and it becomes more about the, you know, put your, put your best, put your best clothes on instead of, you know, when I go to the hospital, bro, I'm trying to put on something that's I know, right, and I know I can get dirty. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Y'all Kojic folk know about that. You know? <laughs> All that sweating in the aisles and, and stuff from dancing and shouting. Hey, 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 watch it. You know it. what I mean? The sheep ministry, you know? Nah, that wasn't me. Again, the males were different. Yeah, you was, you was a big like boy. I, had you fallen, boy, they may have really thought the, the so Lord is coming. They was lucky if they got a clap out of me, dog. <laughs> from that back row, huh? I'm telling you. But- I think it's a good pen, right? I think it's a great place to drop a pen. I think the question that I leave with is um, the question I'm going to ask myself leaving is uh, what was the first time I got a taste of freedom in any way? You know, what was the first time I got a taste of freedom? What brought that on is you talking about going to college, right? And for some of us, it was finally getting out of our parents' eyes view that we felt like, mm-hmm. you know, we could turn up a little bit, right? But what was that point? that I really thought I experienced freedom for the first time? And was that a perception of freedom or was that a reality? Mm -hmm. Um, And when did I experience real freedom? Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Yeah. I think that that's a next good lead in for for our next one, which I think. I like it. Cool. I like it. it. Well, Lakeisha, we first of all welcome you. to for the kingdom we welcome your talent we welcome uh your voice we welcome your mind um to help broaden our table um around this our content and around everything that has to do with making communities whole so uh welcoming you sir walker thank you gil our producer thank you so much uh for this first this first joint so here we are ftk studio signing off 
This is an FTK Memphis podcast.